hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Suckatash Clips, the original comedy soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast soundcaster, Thank you, Bill Haywatt. And yes, he's right. It's me, Mark Hershon, your host and 100% safflower oil for Epi 151 of Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast. We're back with the Succotash Clips installment featuring a bumper crop of comedy soundcast clips from around the internet. On tap this week, we'll be featuring the Bernie Sanders Show, Casa Mirth, Center City Comedy, the Chillpack Hollywood Hour, Crash on Your Couch, Guys We Fucked, Human Echoes podcast, and Human Creeps. So be sure to notice we have an explicit warning on our episode. In addition, we have a lovely little shout out from the boys over at the Antisocial Show, Tyson Saner and Hunter Block. As many of you know, Tyson is also this show's associate producer. In fact, he harvested almost all of the clips for this episode, except for one that got uploaded to us. So having him sing our praises is a little like the lavish praise that gets passed around the White House these days from Trump to Trump, but I'll take it. We also have a couple of bursts of Durst from our resident political comedian, Will Durst. We have a political song later this episode, courtesy of Tommy Royal, late of the Royal and Doodle Show. And this whole episode is being brought to you by Henderson's new scavenger slack. So we'll hear about that a little bit later. We are now six years into this mess I call Succotash, and it's incredible how many soundcasts have not only come and gone, but how many shows that are currently clogging the sound waves. My God, if we put out three shows a week, I don't think we could keep up with all the content being generated these days, but we'll keep on it, playing clips from shows both new and old, to give you a taste of what's out there, and I thank you for downloading or streaming us, however you like listening, and whatever other support you can lend, is greatly appreciated. Now, I know money can be tight, but it doesn't cost anything but a few minutes of your time to get up to iTunes to rate and review this show. That's right, this Succotash show. Five Stars helps us out immensely in the scheme of what shows get noticed on that service. We're also on Stitcher, so you can thumbs up us there or give us a big old heart on SoundCloud. You you get the idea. Now, if you do have some money kicking around, even a little tiny bit, we'd love your help in offsetting the cost of producing this show. There's hosting fees, publicity costs, and gas for Studio F. We have a donate button up on our home site at SuccotashShow.com, which is also the most direct way to get us some bucks. But you can also click on the Amazon banner at the top of our page next time you're going to do your online shopping there. They will shave off a little bit of whatever you pay and send it over to us in a drone, I'm hoping. Or just buy a damn coffee mug from our Succotashery with the show logo on it. We'll also get a little bit of money from that. All right, enough of that. Let's kick things off with the first of this epi's two, Burso Durst. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about Donald Trump's first hundred days. Yeah, it's an artificial benchmark that Trump himself dismissed as a media creation, but it's also one that he earlier insisted would be a yardstick of his incredible, tremendous transitional powers. And it means he only has 1,361 days to go. So, let's see his report card on the first hundred, shall we? Mathematics, C-. He kept claiming he had more electoral votes than any other president since Reagan. Which is true, only if you don't count George Herbert Walker Bush, Bill Clinton, and Barack Obama. Outside of that, spot on. U.S. History, C-. He seems to prove the old adage that those who ignore history are doomed to retweet it. African American Studies, D-. He mocked John Lewis and seems convinced that Frederick Douglass is still alive. Sex education, B+. No discernible activity at all, which after his track record, most folks will appreciate. Health, D-. Who knew healthcare could be so complicated? Uh, everybody? Except you? Again? Social studies, C+. Heavy on the social, light on the studies. Geography, C-. So far, he's picked fights with numerous allies, including Great Britain, Canada, Mexico, and Australia. In terms of diplomatic complexity, those aren't the tough ones. 
Physical education, A+. Plus. Getting plenty of exercise on the golf course. Penmanship, A. His signature looks very nice on a continuing series of executive orders. General comments, does not play well with others. He continues to ignore help when offered and needs to work on his leadership qualities. Outside of that, his overall grade, C-. The good news is there's plenty of room for improvement. For Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast, I'm Will Durst. Thanks, Will. You can find more Durst at willdurst.com. He's also up on Twitter, at Will Durst. Our friends in soundcasting, Dean Haglin and Phil Lairness, the hosts and podcast royalty over at the Chillpack Hollywood Hour, are celebrating 10 damn years in this odd business. In their recent show number 520, 520, they not only mentioned me. Dean Haglund, happy 10th anniversary to us. Wow, who would have guessed 10, 10 years of this? Oh my God, how, how looming. We, we, no, weekly. Wait, it's a celebration. It's a Free celebration. weekly entertainment that we have provided the masses, the legions, every... Yeah, did we... Yeah, we, we, yeah every week. Every <laughs> week without... Fail-ish. Fail-ish, yeah. yeah. Sometimes we fail. No, don't kid yourself. Right. And sometimes it was less entertaining than others. A couple times we've needed to have people help us by pinch hitting, but still, uh, rain or right. shine, 10 years, 520 episodes. You know that I was told when I became a podcaster there'd be no math, but still, as I count them, that's uh, 52 episodes a year, and there's 52 weeks in a year. So we did it. We did it. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, I got to doff my cap to you, sir, for uh, doggedly pursuing this, even though I bugger off to other countries, we run around the world doing other projects, and yet there is still a commitment to the free podcast, which, you know, you hear so many comedians go, oh, I'm going to start a podcast, and they do like uh, two months worth and realize how much work it is. And then say, oh, well, the hell with that. Well, like, and, uh, well, so, like Mark Hershon once pointed out, we are the final ones from that first wave of podcasting who are still doing it. <laughs> I know. I know. What is the well, is we're, we're, tenacity or is it? Well, we're hoping one of these days we'll get it right. But they also reflected back on each of their favorite 10 moments during their decade of doing the show. I just reviewed this particular episode in This Week in Comedy podcast column for Splitsider.com, and now here's one of Dean's favorite moments from the last 10 years. Okay, what's, uh, what's your number four, Dean Hagland? Well, who could forget the joy when we went up to Vancouver and popped over to fellow lone gunman Tom Braidwood's house, uh, where we were filming interviews for The Truth Is Out There, of course. And then uh, had an extended uh, Lone Gunman episode. We didn't have a Lone Gunman episode. We had an extended episode of the <laughs> Chillback Hollywood Hour featuring uh, the first reunion of all three of you since the show had uh, gone off the air. That's true. I guess it was the first time. I guess, you know, we met uh, here and there at a, a con or two, but it was the first time we actually sat down without uh, a, a full agenda in front of us. And had a chance just to chat and and reminisce and uh, and discuss. Like you had never, uh, you guys had never, things. you'd never compared notes, for example, on uh, your feelings on nine eleven, having had done the pilot that was so uh, evocative and prescient of what was to come. That's it, true. We were in Los Angeles, Tom and I, and we were supposed to fly home yeah. September the eleventh. You were? Yeah. yeah. We were, oh, right, we, we just filmed the tent, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. And I got a phone call in the morning, like 8.30 in the morning, for the guy who was supposed to pick me up and drive me to the airport, saying he wouldn't be doing it today because somebody had flown a plane into the World Trade Center. And I thought, that's not, that's not very funny. <laughs> oh, and then I thought about funny? it, and I went, no, wait a minute, I know these guys, they had never have any idea who they're picking up, so it's not like he knew ahead of time. Yeah. Oh, that's the guy who plays Byers on the Lone Gunman, and I've seen an unaired version of the pilot. Right. So I can tell, make this joke. So at that point, I realized, and then my second thought was, "Oh my God!" You know? And then you phone, you turned on your TV and you saw it for real, and you phoned yeah, me. Yeah. You phoned me about quarter to nine. Yeah, yeah. Woke me up and said, "You better turn on you your better TV." Better turn on the TV. We're not going home today. <laughs> How'd you guys get home? We drove. We what? drove. Yeah, we waited three days. They tried to get us out for three days in a row, but the planes just weren't flying. You know, it was the weirdest thing. I mean, the day it happened, it was just, well, anybody who was in LA, it was just dead. Yeah. You know, Nothing and was you, open. you don't realize how much 
sound there is in the city until it's not there. Right. You know, there are no planes, there are no cars. I mean, there was an occasional car drove by the hotel. And in fact, the sounds, if you so did hear a weird. sound, it became scary. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, out. it was just, it was really, really weird, and it was really, really creepy. And uh, we waited, they tried, you know, basically we contacted them, I think it was twice a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon. They were trying to get us out, but... It was a Monday, wasn't it? When yeah, it happened? yeah. Because I had to fly. I was supposed to fly to a comedy club. My bags were packed for a noon flight. Yeah, and um, by Thursday, um, there's still no flights getting out. And uh, we got together and talked about. It. We said, you know, let's get let's get the hell out well, of we here. We wanted out. Of, we we actually believed at this point that the borders were going to be closed. Yeah. Any resident, any 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 aliens in the country, like Canadians, were going to be arrested and put in a camp somewhere. Yeah, we were. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, we were concerned that, yeah. and we really were. We were genuinely concerned that. Quite the, frankly, it would be about time. Exactly. <laughs> 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 the borders were going to be shut down, and, and so we, the next time we got, <laughs> we talked to Fox. Said, "Look, just find us a car that we can take to yeah. Canada and drop off in Canada, because that's what we're going to do." They pump out the shows every Monday over at ChillPackHollywood.com, but of course, they're also found on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else you find Soundcast being streamed and or downloaded. You know, I saw that Fox TV is bringing back another 10-episode season of The X-Files, and I wonder if Dean Haglund's going to be in that at all. guess I'll have to listen into their show and see if they talk about it. A couple of episodes ago, we featured a clip from the Antisocial Show, which is hosted by our own Tyson Saner, along with Hunter Block. They mentioned Succotash in the wake of that playage, and heck, any time a show mentions us, as thanks for clipping them, that's good enough reason to clip them mentioning us, right? I should mention, I don't know if you know, but we uh, were mentioned, and I had clipped on Succotash by Mark Hershen. Yes, I, I uh, was listening to the Succotash show the other day, and, and uh, you're, we, uh, you sent in the clip about me talking about wine etiquette. Um, actually, I didn't send that clip in. Mark clipped that himself. Oh, did he? Yeah. I thought you had something to do with it. Okay, well, I mean, either way, though, it was a good, it was a good segment, though, because okay, – so anyway, if you haven't heard that particular, uh, particular episode of our show or, the, uh, or Succotash, I was talking to Tyson about wine etiquette. And the different various wines, and you can hear all that either on the Antisocial Show or going over to listen to the Succotash Show, which you should listen to both, actually. Um, mm-hmm. go to, uh, we're going to be on iTunes and Stitcher. I've been saying it for a while now, but we will get on there. We do have a, a – I'm, I'm still having a little bit of an issue with our, with our particular uh, site that, we, that I bought the hosting license from, so I'm still trying to get them to – understand the problem that we're having the problem is that we paid um for 12 months of a hosting license and eight months ago eight months ago, <laughs> correct and, or, or is, that, is that correct i was just guessing um sort of i mean our our hosting Ow. license technically theoretically runs out in september it's not a bad thing that we're on soundcloud but it's a good no, thing because no. we're being heard but i think that we're going to get much more you know broadly Graphic. out there once we get on iTunes and Stitcher. But in the meantime, though, <clears throat> yeah. yes. until we get on iTunes, ladies and gentlemen, you can go to iTunes and you can give Succotash a five-star rating and say something positive because Mark Harshon is, is the, the shit and the bomb. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's an awesome show. And Tyson is also involved with the Succotash show, of course. Yes, yes. I'm, the, uh, I'm an associate producer is what they refer to me as. Correct. So you already know it's badass right there. So I mean, and so give them a five star rating and tell them that we sent you, and they'll love you immediately. Oh hey, and if you're a podcaster or a soundcaster, as we like to call it over at Succotash, who has a comedy soundcast or a comedy related soundcast, or is a comedian who has a soundcast, or if it's you figure out a way that it's comedy related, if, uh, uh, and it's a soundcast. And you would like me to clip you for Succotash, uh, you can contact me and I will listen to your podcast. Uh, and it, you know, it does make my life uh, a little bit, you know, easier. As, and I love listening to hundreds and hundreds of soundcasts, but it does help if I know who actually would like to be featured because then it's, uh, it's, uh, it makes me happy to know that, uh, Soundca- that Succotash is reaching enough people that that's possible. So thank you. So that's from Epi 18 of the Antisocial Show, all the episodes of which are up on SoundCloud right now. Now, soundcasting used to be the place where just comedians went to vent their spleens, sharpen their wits, and own their thoughts 
without worrying about bookings, hecklers, and other slings and arrows. But now it seems everyone's getting into the game, including presidential also-rans. The Bernie Sanders Show has just joined the fray, and it's a great platform for Bernie to be... Bernie. One of his first episodes featured him talking with guest Bill Nye, as in Bill Nye, the science guy. Despite the very strong opposition of the fossil fuel industry and their paid representatives here in the Congress, uh, we have made some progress in moving to sustainable energy. A hell of a lot more solar, uh, wind turbines, geothermal. Uh, Talk a little bit about how we have to transform our energy system and what it looks like in the future? Uh, this is a great question. So imagine you know what a roof looks like. We all know what a roof looks like. Imagine all the roofs are, roofs are solar panels. They're that dark blue, or maybe in the future they'll be even darker, and uh, everybody will make electricity everywhere. And so you can hate Senator Sanders, you can hate me, you can hate everything, you can just be a miserable hater person. But when you get an electric bill in California, which doesn't have especially cheap electricity, when you get an electric bill for 10 bucks every 60 days, that's just fun. <laughs> okay, that's just, just fun. Just look at it that way. So imagine a future where virtually every big building, uh, Walmarts, factories, Uh, warehouses all have solar panels on the roof oriented in our country a little bit south. We get enormous amount of electricity uh, from these systems, and then we have to create, and it's not that hard, we can do it, create an electric grid that can accept all this energy that's produced in a distributed fashion rather than a concentrated fashion. And so uh, also, if you're an engineer out there, if you're a young person in engineering school right now, I love you, but if you want to get crazy rich, make a little a battery that's even a little bit better than we have now. And then we have the storage problem, which should be solved locally. So at the Solutions Project, by way of example, the engineers strongly believe that we don't have to work that hard to solve the storage problem, that the wind is blowing somewhere, the sun is shining somewhere all the time. We don't use as much energy at night as we do during the day. So the wind blows at night, and we could store this energy. Right, This is right now, if we just decided to do it. These are domestic jobs that can't be exported. It's a new industry. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that the price of solar has, of course, plummeted. Yeah, oh, yeah. And it is now competitive with in parts of the country. Well, in Iowa, they get a quarter of their electricity from the wind. Right. In uh, Texas, uh, they get... And sometimes a year they get 10% of it. This is in Texas. So there's, I took pictures in Stanton, Texas. There are wind turbines casting shadows on oil pumps. <laughs> what and transform? that's very cheap electricity, oh, isn't it? Once the, once the turbine's up, it's free, I mean, in a sense. Now, uh, when people, deniers will come out of the woodwork about uh, killing birds. Yes, I suddenly they just... If you want to kill birds, oil, a coal-fired... Uh, electricity plants are really the way to go. If killing birds is a thing for you, there's nothing better than the exhaust from coal plants. Wind turbines, we can solve this problem. By the way, when you're at the tar sands, there are cannons that go off all day and night. To keep the birds away. Keep the birds away. Because the, the tailing ponds are so toxic. They don't want to kill these enormous populations of birds. If you want to kill birds, fossil fuel is fantastic. So we can solve this problem, everybody. We can do this. And I, I, I grew up in the U.S., got my engineering degree in the U.S., my license in the U.S. I worked in aerospace full-time for 20 years, 10, times, 10 years part-time. I'm a patriot. I want the U.S. to be the world leader in this stuff. And by the way, if we develop these technologies, these are technologies that can be exported to China, to India, all over the world. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Especially, what does the U.S. do, Senator, is innovate. The technologies for distributing the electricity are closely related to mobile phones, where as you drive, the phone call is handed from cell to cell. Mm -hmm. So distributing the electricity is the same kind of thing. We want to automate it. 
just uh, another opportunity for you electrical engineers is power. Uh, enormous innovations have happened in making information technology more and more compact. But electricity uh, uh, on, in large, on large scale has to be managed in new and cool ways. Bernie Sanders' home site is probably one of the only talk casts with a .gov domain. Find it at sanders.senate.gov or out in the public sector on iTunes, Google Play, and so on and so forth. Tyson grabbed us a chunk of Teen Creeps, a soundcast by comedians Kelly Nugent and Lindsay Katay. Katay? Katay. Don't know. <laughs> Their focus is young adult fiction. And in rep, uh, recent episode 24 from back in February, they had comedy writer, performer, TV director, and soundcaster Alex Fernie as their guest to help them get into The Hardy Boys. You brought us this book, The Hardy Boys Case Files Number One, Dead on Target. Yes. I had never. I did not know there was a case file. No, I feel I, like I should yeah. apologize too, uh, because I brought this when when uh, Lindsay emailed out about uh-huh. you guys' podcast, and I thought I've thought about it since I was a child. I had read it once before as a child, mm-hmm. and hated it then, uh-huh. and I <laughs> like hated yeah. it, yeah, and yeah. pitched it. So I, I feel like I should apologize because as I was reading through, it, I was like, oh. You, this is insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> insane, insane works well. Yeah. For podcasting, yeah. though. I do mm-hmm. feel like some of our best episodes have been the ones where I'm going, what? Yeah. yeah. What is this? What? Um, yeah, no worries. I was fucking thrilled about this entire book because it was. Yeah. Thanks, Fernie. What really moves. a roller coaster ride. Every chapter Every ending on a cliffhanger. <laughs> it was at a point where towards the end, I was so inundated. I was like, what? Another explosion? Who cares? I love yeah. that every chapter ends on a cliffhanger. Every single one. It's, every single one. Mm-hmm. Great. It's, it, this book posits that all children are stupid. And yes. that if they're reading this book, they will think that the heroes will die at the end of every, every chapter. single yeah. chapter. <laughs> that there's no <laughs> base pattern recognition in children. And then they'll go, well, <laughs> clearly, Joan Frank is dead this time. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, nope, nope. They get saved somehow. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not like the rest of the book and series say. is like just a really sad, yeah. like the family. It's like ordinary mm-hmm. people just mm-hmm. really long Dealing with book it. after book after it's book. It's just Callie trying to pick out funeral arrangements <laughs> with Aunt, who, Matilda, Martha? Uh, Gertrude? Gertrude. Is it? I was. I guess I made it up to be funny and it really is Gertrude. No, I was like, that sounds right. Oh, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> They mention her like a couple times. Yeah. She never Mom appears and, on page. Oh, you were right. Mom and Aunt Gertrude. I'm oh, guessing yeah. you God, weren't good. guessing. I'm guessing you remembered and didn't realize. Didn't know you remembered yeah. it. What's the That's line an insane between guess, guessing Kelly. and I have a very I good think, memory, which you I know I think it's a, pretty, it's a pretty sturdy line. Were you about to say what's the line between <laughs> guessing and guessing remembering? And remembering? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a, that's a hard line. Kelly. Yeah, hard it's line. a very mm-hmm. clear line. I think I've lived my life in a very interesting way then. Um, you were mentioned you get the right answer on things. It's like, mm, what a good I'm, guess. I'm like, oh, I'm amazing. Uh, Alex, you were mentioning uh, earlier off the air that this is a watercolor of a car exploding. And I was like, I don't think another watercolor of a car exploding exists. No. It's, it's very good. Yeah, I, obviously, people listening can't. It's worth Googling the cover of this book because what it is, yeah. is it's a, a mid-80s sedan bursting in flames and then two of the most... Greenwich, Connecticut looking boys <laughs> I've ever seen wearing polos and nice cardigans mm-hmm. sprinting away from it. Uh, <laughs> and it really pulls you in. Like it's and it's an accurate representation of what happens in this book. I mean, well. this is page one. Page one. Yeah. This is page zero. Page I lo- zero. Yeah. I loved growing up the Hardy Boys so much. I loved reading Hardy Boys books and I loved the original old ones where it'd be like yeah something's moving in the lighthouse and then they <laughs> yeah. go out and it might be a ghost but it's not someone's smuggling antiques mm-hmm. uh in and the lighthouse in the lighthouse <laughs> uh lots of interesting things in bay, uh, bayport uh and then this series they rebooted in i think this is the first one like 1986 yeah and they clearly went like kids today want edgy yeah uh, yeah and, and the first thing that happens in this book is joe's girlfriend gets blown up like she just gets straight up murdered. She is. It's insane. This She's is a, a question cowder. I had. Like, is Iola? That's. I think Iola. so. I've never heard Iola. it out loud. Yeah. So, uh, Iola is the name of Joe's dearly yes. departed girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Was she in the in the original Hardy I Boys? I believe book? so. I should look it up because I remember they had girlfriends and they had girls. Like most of these characters, like Chet, Existed. and they all yeah. were in the old ones. Uh, and I think she did too because I, I, uh, uh, 
Cassie or Carrie or whatever she did, I definitely remember. Um, she didn't blow up in a car bomb uh, right. in the uh, old ones from the 30s and 40s. <laughs> yeah. They're like, gee, I wonder what's happening in the lighthouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a car bomb. <laughs> um, I went a little insane after reading this book and I was like, I have to research. Oh, yeah. These case files. And so I looked up like, what is the deal with these books? And um, I guess there's a little bit of contention about the Iola blowing up in a uh, in a car bomb because I guess it has created a schism like in the canon oh. of Hardy Boys. So like in this iteration, she's she dies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then but not she's not dead in like any of the other versions of Hardy Boys. So I was like, ah, oh, so drama. So it's like Star Trek where yeah. it split off with the new movie. Good stuff. Teen Creeps is over on the Feral Audio Network, and you can find the show also on a number of other platforms. Arden Rose and Will Darbyshire are a couple of YouTube darlings and 20-somethings with Crash on My Couch, a soundcast about conspiracy theories, other cultures, relationships, happiness, a virtual potpourri about slogging through life as a millennial. For instance, could you have gotten through the next 24 hours without hearing about Pixar Easter eggs? Or the conspiracy theory that all Pixar movies exist within the same universe? Me neither. So yeah, we have a lot of exciting stuff that we want to talk about on this podcast. But to really kick it off, let's talk about one of our favorite things, which is conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories. I'm like obsessed with discussing conspiracy theories, whether it's like flat earth theories or Nazis in the middle of the earth theories. Yeah, hollow earth theories. Hollow earth theories. We love conspiracy theories. So let's, let's take, take a, a trip, trip to Conspiracy Camp. Whoop, whoop. The Pixar theory is basically a theory that presents the idea that all the Pixar films take place in the same universe, in the same linear universe. Really? Okay. So how do you connect each of the movies? Well, I'll tell you. So the theory stems from this guy that came up with this theory, but really it comes from these Easter eggs which are spread out through the different Pixar films. Mm. So some Pixar films have different references to other Pixar films. Right. So like in uh, Toy Story, there's a Pizza Planet truck. And then in A Bug's Life, there's another Pizza Planet truck. So all these like reoccurring themes. There's like tokens that are throughout yeah. the entire thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like I just... Since I I do love Ratatouille, and that's the main movie that I want to talk about all the time, there's like five or six Easter eggs from throughout the Pixar universe that are just in Ratatouille. Yeah. So they sprinkle them pretty abundantly. Like, I didn't realize this, but Bomb Voyage, Mr. Incroyable, from, you know, that, that guy, the wonderful guy, my favorite villain. Yeah. Uh, he's in Ratatouille doing a box mime routine. Sure. And then gets really pissed off when Ratatouille like gets water on him. Yeah, and and that is amazing because he could he could theoretically be angry about that and then go on to become a bombing robber called Bomb Voyage. Yeah. So there are some like overarching Easter eggs that are throughout the entire universe, yeah. and then yeah. there are also specific ones yeah. like a stuffed animal that might appear in I don't know. Sure. Like. Monsters Inc. that is from Toy Story. Yeah, so there are some strong links between all the films. Right, right, right. Very cool. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. So basically the the premise is is that um, all the Pixar films actually take place in the same universe. Similar to like a Marvel DC thing? Yeah. So that's that's the vibe. And they are all in... They all take place in a different chronological order. Okay. So the films um, take place over the course of like I think it's like 100 years or like 200 years. What? That's the idea. Yeah, so the first film, which apparently is in the timeline, is Brave. Wait a which second. Which was in the 40s. Well, that, I mean, that's true, though, right? Because that's like a medieval yeah. witch. So apparently that's the first film, and that takes place in the 14th to 15th century. Okay. And that takes place in medieval Scotland. Okay. And that introduces us to the concept of animals being personified as humans. Oh, uh, which is very Pixar. And by the way, this theory is up on uh, John Negroni, uh, his site. So that's johnnegroni.com. Uh, and I guess he came up with this theory and it's gone like mega viral. Oh, wow. Oh, so he there was one OG person that was like, yeah, hold up, think, I've cracked the code. Yeah. And then I think people have added, like, added to it and fleshed it out. But like it kind of makes sense. And it, it stems from the idea that um, there are different Pixar characters in different Pixar films. 
So, like, there are Easter eggs hidden in different films, basically. Right, because I've seen, like, the thing where, like, I don't know, there's a stuffed animal of Sully in Toy Story or whatever. Like, I've seen that. But I thought that was just, like, Pixar being quirky. Well, the weird thing is, is, like, um, there are uh, Easter eggs in films which haven't come out yet. If you look at, like, just for an example, a Wally toy in the first Monsters, Inc. film or something like that. So, like, they've, they've already planned ahead. I think the rule is, like, the next film... The next film in advance, they put an Easter egg in the, the previous film, if that makes sense. So, like, oh, okay. one film ahead. Right. So, good, was Good Dinosaur the last Pixar? What was the last Pixar film um, that came out? Man, I don't know. Was it, oh, Finding Dory? Was that was the last Was Finding one? Dory the last one? I think that was it. Okay, because it was Good Dinosaur, then Finding Dory? Yeah, I think so. Am I, am I crazy? Does that sound right? No, that sounds right. Okay, so would there have been an Easter egg then in Good Dinosaur for Finding yeah, Dory? Yeah, I, I would guess so. Okay, that's the yeah. logic. There is a smattering of Crash on My Couch for you. To hear more, subscribe to it on iTunes or on your laughable app or even visit their home site, crashonmycouchshow.com. So you're a comedy podcaster and you're listening to this show and you're saying to yourself, hey, self, how the heck do I get a clip of my show up on that succotash thingamabob? Well, there's a chance that either my associate producer Tyson Saner or myself may stumble upon your show out there in the wild. You can also give us a shout on the social media about your show. We're at Succotash Show on Twitter, and we have a Succotash Show page on Facebook. But you can also shoot me an email about your show. I'm Mark, M-A-R-C, at SuccotashShow.com. Or you can do what our friend Dr. Norman Trousers and his partner River Zambezi did and use our direct upload link. They got us an MP3 clip by going to Hightail.com slash U, that's the letter U, slash Succotash and got it right up to us, along with this note. Hey, Mark, thought it was about time we sent in a clip. Just a bit from Season 4, Episode 1, where River Zambezi and I were discussing the possibility of having a bit of a laugh at a local electrical retailer's. All the best. Smiley face emoticon, Dr. Norman Trust. I still think we should go to PC World one day with a hidden camera. How would this pan out? What, what, what probably not very, very well with a hidden camera because it would panning would be pretty well, no, rubbish. We could, we could take a hidden recorder. A hidden recorder would be much better, yeah. But what would we do? We say, "I'd like to buy a computer, please." <laughs> I don't know why you put in that voice. I was going <laughs> to say, <laughs> I think that might give it away. Yeah. Um, could we keep a straight face? <laughs> That's the problem, though. We could. We we know what we're like. <laughs> I, I, th- I think I could. But really? I don't know. Let's, let's play it out. Oh, like that. Oh, hello. Let's play it out. Okay. Right. <clears throat> Hello, mate. Can you help me? Yeah, certainly, sir. How can I help? Well, I'm looking for a for a computer for my granddad. Oh, okay. Um, we we have a great selection. What are you after? Well, it's got to be it's got to be quite quick. Okay, yeah. Um, because you know he, he he's relatively computer literate. Yep, yep. Um, obviously it's all on the internet, so I'm assuming that these are all on the internet. Okay, yeah, we've got a great selection over here. Let's have a look. Um, do you have any that? Well, when he goes on the internet, hmm, he likes. Certain websites. Okay. Do, so, do all these computers look at any websites? Absolutely. I, 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 don't, I don't really know much about computers. Yeah, I mean, um, whatever, you know, yeah, you basically, you've, you've got a search engine and you type in and find what you want. So, if he, if he wanted to look at the, um, uh, look, man, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you, right? Can he look at porn on it? Um, it's well, yeah, my granddad. Yeah. He was, he was, he was on Omaha Beach. He's like, you know, he's he's paid his dues. He just okay. wants to, he wants to look at porn. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, all these computers can access any websites that uh, you want them to. Um, sure. So he can look at anything he wants. Uh, w- within reason, so yeah, I, I couldn't say anything. I'm not saying kids. I'm not saying kids. Well, or, I'd hope or, not. Or, so. or animal. maybe animals, but probably not animals. But um, but no, but if he wants to look at the the, the fucking, can he look at the fucking on the computer? Um, he could do that. Yeah. Is it is it wiped clean? Um, to be fair, it's like he, he's old school. Yeah, he doesn't like stand there with a fucking bunch of tissue paper in his hand. So if he kisses mm, over the keyboard, is it going to break it? Uh, no, sir. I, I don't really think that's really really appropriate. appropriate. Is it? Okay. You know? um, but you can look at porn. Can you look at porn? People can look at what they like on the internet, so it's up to can them you reco- what they do. Can you recommend any porn? Um, no, I couldn't, sir. No. Not I don't anything. think that would be a very professional well, what do, what do you, me. What, no, but between me and you, what do you look at? Um, I, I, I couldn't say, sir. It would be very 
remiss you don't want to just say I'm not going to tell anybody I'm not going to tell anyone just tell um, me well, I, I think um, Elephants Are Us is quite a good website um, I tend is to that, look at is that elephant porn um, I, I mean you know, he, he was in Korea there's long trunks he, he like... that's all I'll say sir long trunks long trunks okay well, I'll give that a go how much is that again um, well, actually, you can um, you can actually get that site for free, sir. I don't know, but how much is the computer? Oh, right, sir. Sorry, sir. Will this, um, will this computer do that? And will that computer do that? Will that computer do that? Well, actually, all these computers will do that, sir. So well, why, why would I buy this one instead of that one? Um, this one's on special offer, sir. Actually, it comes with some antivirus software. Does that mean that if he, if he does wank over the elephants, that he won't get a clap? Um, no, but it does come with a clean me keyboard. Is it clean? Is it? Oh, okay. So if he does... Accidentally just over the keyboard, it won't be too bad. It's a white clean keyboard, sir. So it's oh, okay. probably ideal for okay. that. No, yeah, I think that's good. How much is that? Um, that's 699 Fucking pounds, what? Sir. Yeah. But it comes with a, a free monitor, which also has some uh, plastic over the front of it, which is okay. also easy clean. Okay. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah. Oh, I'll, buy, I'll buy that. And we'll also give a free two-year warranty with that as well. So What's the, what's the warranty for? Um, that includes any breakages. And, of course, if you do get into a... Um, Sticky situation, shall we say? Oh, so the breakage just covers like you know fluids. Ab- absolutely, so yeah. I mean, it's not a lot. I mean, he's, he's like seventy-five. Um, it's also dustproof. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, because you know, I mean, the first one's going to be a little bit like windy, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, okay. Um, do you take credit cards? Uh, we do indeed, sir. Um, I wouldn't register it um with us, though. No, okay. Well, just in case, yeah, just box it up, mate, and we'll we'll sort it out. Yeah. There's your self-uploaded snippet from the Chasm Earth podcast, and you can hear Norman River absolutely everywhere. Soundcasts are available, including their very own home site at chasmearth.com. And I realize some people might pronounce that Chasmearth, but I, for some reason I said Chasmearth this time. I, I don't know why. You know, it's hard enough to break through the glut of shows in Soundcast land, more today than ever. So one of these days, I have to have Corrine Fisher and Christina Hutchinson on the show just so we can ask them why they titled their anti-slut-shaming show, Guys We Fucked. I mean, the title makes sense and all, but most places that distribute shows like iTunes, they won't let you spell out the word fucked. So it's the letter F followed by four asterisks and tagged with the letter D. So while the title is attention-getting, even with the asterisks, it makes it hard to get the word out everywhere. But Corrine and Christina do have a lot of listeners, so maybe it's working out just fine. This clip is from an episode from the end of uh, March entitled, You Were the Queen of Impossible Crushes. And the ladies answer some listener email. This next email, the subject line is, how do I address paraplegia with weekend hookup? Hey, Christina and Corrine, love the podcast. So, I met a guy off Tinder and he greeted me in a wheelchair. He wasn't standing in any of his photos, but I totally didn't expect it. He implied he had broken his leg in a skiing accident earlier and it was temporary. But when we, yeah, but when we got to his apartment, I started to notice there were accessibility accommodations, a ton of physical therapy equipment, a coffee table on wheels, bathroom adjustments and uh, lower people. We hooked up. There were there were erection issues uh, and I was on top the whole time. Honestly, not sure that he ever came either, but it wasn't bad. At the end, we exchanged numbers. I saw and I saw a piece of mail with his surname and immediately Googled him when I got home. As it turns out, he had a spinal cord injury from a fraternity hazing event in college. He is paralyzed from the waist down. Since then, we have met up twice more. Once when once when we didn't fuck and this past weekend when we did, we'll talk briefly about sports, family work, etc. before boning. But I don't know how to address the paraplegia or if I even should. I'm not con- confrontational enough to call him out. And it seems rude to just flat out ask. Uh, we would we wouldn't ever date. So we're just hooking up. Should I say anything or let it go? Am I making this more awkward? I assume he's either a probably knows that I know or B thinks I'm incredibly dense. Is it too late to say anything? Thanks. Um, I, when I read this email, I was, uh, in Asbury Park with Steven eating pizza and I kind of, I, I read it to him cause his dad's in a wheelchair and, uh, you know, it, I, I would feel no one likes to be lied to. Clearly he was lying about the injury and, and the extent of which it affects his life. If his peephole is even adjusted to be lower so he can fucking see out his door. Um, but Steven, I mean, that would piss me off. I think I think if you are a paraplegic, I think that is something I would like to have in a Tinder profile if mm-hmm. I'm dating somebody. I would I personally would not not go on a date with somebody if they were in a wheelchair. I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And but one of the things that Stephen had pointed out, his dad for his dad got him in his accident. Uh, he was hit by a car when Stephen and Stephen's sister were little kids and they had just bought a house. Um, and he was in a wheelchair for the rest of his life after that. And he had a hard, hard time mentally coping with this for five about five years i mean i I think now he's good but uh the first five years after the accident were really bad for him emotionally it was hard to come to terms with with that i can't even as you would imagine it oh my god yeah that's i mean oh yeah so i totally get why he lied yeah and i think that what you want to confront him about is and i don't think it, it doesn't have to be confrontational and even if you're just hooking up and you don't think you're going to date him i still would talk about it just because he doesn't have to lie to girls like this I, I truly don't think and if some girl sees a picture of him in a wheelchair on tinder and they pass by him that's they're they're fucking lost or they just aren't into that that's fine they don't not every girl has to want to date a man in a wheelchair Yeah, and you're not a bad person if you don't, because I mean, like, you're allowed to kind of, like, say, this is something I can handle, this is something I can't. And I don't think it's rude Mm -hmm. to just flat out ask. I think if you approach it with an honest, uh, this is how I would ask. I'd be like, dude, uh, so you told, you kind of have been alluding that uh, this, uh, your injury with your legs is uh, not permanent, but... It is like I think what? you can just say it even like in less words, like in in a in a cute like moment, a tender moment. You can just be like, "So what really happened?" Or yeah. or <clears throat> you know, a comment like that's more encouraging. Like you know, no matter what, I would have I liked you anyway. I like you yeah. for you. Like something like you could you can. There's a way to make it uh like a like a rom com almost. Oh, like there is. You know, sometimes it's you know. Well, I think you, you can don't want to be, be over prepared, but you. But in this case, I think it's it's good to have like kind of a line prepared or to yeah. say at the appropriate moment. Um, because I think but be he, kind about it. I think he. I don't think he thinks you're an idiot. No one's that no. stupid. And I and I think <laughs> Tori Spelling would know that he was permanently <laughs> totally. <laughs> she has spies everywhere. No. Um. But I also think. Too. I don't know how old you guys are, but if this happened in a fraternity hazing incident and then he just lost his ability to walk for the rest of his life, I mean, that's got to be a hard fucking thing to grapple with. Like, that's just got to be a hard thing to accept. Especially because it was something so stupid, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, such a meaningless... Really, yeah. And that, I mean, reason. I don't know if he's angry about it or not. Whatever, however he's feeling about it, he's probably not alluding to because he doesn't want to fucking talk about it. But I would I would approach it gently and kindly and, and talk about it. Even if you don't want to date the guy, I still I highly recommend approaching it in a kind way don't miss women telling it like it is or how it could be or how it was on guys we fucked available via itunes soundcloud and they also have a tumblr page but it doesn't look like it's been updated in about a year if you want to help out the environment and you're already recycling your ass off maybe it's time for you to check out the latest from our sponsor hello friends bill haywatt here with some awesome news from the good folk at henderson's pants they are finally all aboard the recycling bandwagon that's right you know it took a while but all of your cards letters and court injunctions finally caught the attention of old man henderson and he's vowed to give up his resource gobbling habit the same way he puts on his new henderson scavenger slacks one leg at a time. The material for these new dress pants is as varied as there are days in a year. That's because Henderson's dumpster diving legions are out there right now, rag picking every scrap of discarded cloth they can find, whether it's denim, corduroys, burlap, hemp, cotton, twill, or even in some cases, aluminum foil. They're popping it into their collection sacks and scurrying back to Henderson's main factory in Lenexa, Kansas. Once their Henderson's Panskateers work their magic and combine all that cloth into pairs and pairs of trousery wonder. Uh, I'm sorry, Pairs and pairs of trouser wondery. That's better. Originally designed for middle-aged court jesters, professional golfers, and your Uncle Ned. Henderson scavenger slacks are going to be all the rage if the company can ever afford to once again gas up their fleet of delivery trucks. That's Henderson's makers of buckled swashes and jerkin gherkins since 1347. And now back to Suckatash. You can save 15% off your first pair of Henderson's pants when you buy them through their website. Just go to hendersonspants.com and use the promo code NIBLETS when you place your order. And good luck, because there is no active site there, although the domain is now owned. So 
Keep your eye out for some Henderson's Pants action happening online, maybe soon? I've been hanging out around the San Francisco and Los Angeles comedy scenes for, well, a long time now. I don't get to the clubs very much these days, so there's a whole wave of comedians out there I really don't know that much about. But one thing I do remember is that there is rarely a better time than when you're hanging out with a bunch of comics, shooting the shit and busting each other's balls or ovaries. Some of that spirit is captured every week on the Center City Comedy Podcasts, where a passel of Philly-based comedy comrades, or at least they used to be based there, Derek Gaines, H. Foley, Kevin Ryan, Andrew Schiavone, Chris Cotton and Dave Temple, they're now part of the New York scene. Well, they get together and kick stuff and each other around a little bit. This snippet that Tyson grabbed us is from their Epi 166 with the memorable title, The Fatso, The Drunk, and The Wardrobe. I got to be back at 11 in the city on Sunday for a callback. And I don't want to fucking stay there late. And I just want to drive down, do what I got to do. Plus, I got my mom's uh, giving us uh, two sets of denim curtains. <laughs> <laughs> what are they old Levi's? They got pockets on them. Denim <laughs> curtains. That's what she said. My cousin's an interior designer. She's like, I have some beautiful. Where at Oshkosh Bagosh? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I got those coming. Come my aunt is giving. My, oh, you are fucking trashy. <laughs> my aunt's boat sank. <laughs> Where and why? <laughs> Your aunt's boat sack. First that of mean, all, why does that have to do with denim curtains? Yeah, because she had that was the sales. <laughs> <laughs> I think Yar. it was skull and crossbones on it. Yar, we'd be sailing in <laughs> my boat onto coals yonder. <laughs> no, so my aunt had a couple TVs on the boat. So what? a couple TVs. <laughs> oh, she's smuggling. What is going on? Who is she? A couple TVs. Yeah, a couple of TVs. <laughs> what was she crossing? The Rio Grande? What are you talking about? What do you mean? I'm telling you the story. <laughs> the boat was made out of TVs. Yeah. <laughs> the Great River of Best Buy. Where was she going? Cuban refugees. <laughs> VW hood. Uh-huh. No. Um, I got a lot of stuff. I got a lot of stuff that I got to bring back to New York for the apartment. You know, as everybody knows. But the, what's your what's the boat have to do with anything? Well, because they, they're taking stuff off the boat and they want to get rid of it. <laughs> that sounds like an insurance scam. If I <laughs> but you just said it's the sank. boat sank in the driveway. <laughs> it's. I misspoke. It's going to sink next Tuesday. <laughs> Plan sinking. <laughs> Jesus. We're not sure whether it's going to sink or catch on fire, but one of those is going to happen. And I'm fucking coming in with a couple of high def TVs and some curtains. I also have a new comforter coming. This is so fishy, no pun intended. <laughs> These boat TVs. Yeah. No one in your family can afford a boat, by the way. Maybe a about? jet ski. <laughs> Jets. That may or may not contain a TV. <laughs> a jet ski with a TV on it. How trashy is that? It's got an extension cord on it. This gets great reception. It wipes out. Oh my god. Wait, your family does not own your you your family is not yes, boat they do. people. We yeah. actually have three boats in our family. One's a house. One's your dad. <laughs> That's terrible. Daddy, Daddy, don't listen to him. I love you. (laughs) The USS Fatso. (laughs) You son of a bitch. USS Pancake. (laughs) Oh, your whole family's fat. Fully, you have three boats. How many of them float? (laughs) None. Well, Well, the one's at the bottom of a creek or something. (laughs) It's loaded down with televisions. (laughs) Uh, We got three, wise ass. All right. And uh, they they all float. Except for the one that just sank. Yeah, two of them are inflatable, probably. <laughs> <laughs> one's in in-ground pool. Where are these boats at? Uh, one's in Baltimore, and uh, one was... Oh, the classiest uh, place to have a boat. <laughs> it's got graffiti on the side. <laughs> it's a seafood restaurant. <laughs> it's got hubcaps. <laughs> that's not a boat, that's a car. It's stuck in a puddle. It's a car with fins. <laughs> My cousin lives on a houseboat, and uh, he must be doing well. <laughs> what do you mean? That's a cool. You got anything thing to, to floats? <laughs> That's a cool thing to do. To live on a boat? Yeah. What? On what body of water does he live on a houseboat? I don't know. Whatever the whatever the water is down there in, in Baltimore. What's that? The Inner Harbor? Well, Potomac. Thanks, geographical <laughs> loser. He lives on like nothing. Oh, you are against the ropes early on. You're taking it from both sides. Foley came in here bragging about boats, yeah. and it's blowing up in his face. <laughs> and my aunt has a boat that I think she's selling. So you just said it sunk. <laughs> I didn't say that. Who's buying it? <laughs> Scuba divers? Yeah, the, the guy from the Titanic movie. <laughs> Who? James Cameron. <laughs> Hollywood Insider. Andrew Chavone. Oh rattling off God. director's names. Um, you all stink. 
And what else we got? So yeah, I got the curtains coming just to put this saga to bed. So you're getting it. To, well, hold on, I want to go back to the boat. We're not breezing over this. <laughs> yeah. This has been nine minutes of gold. Where's the? So you're getting a TV from the boat. Yes. <laughs> I'm getting a TV, a TV from the boat. No, he's getting two TVs. He said. No, there is two TVs. I get one of them. What? Who gets? Who gets the other one? The little scuba diver. <laughs> Check out more Center City comedy at their home site, aptly URL'd Center City Comedy. They're also on the web everywhere, so just Google them. You know how to Google, don't you? Just put your lips together and blow, and then type Google on your keyboard and hit return. I know I keep yammering about how many soundcasts there are out there, with more coming online every week, but I am amazed we're still finding shows that have been on for years that we're just now getting to share with you. Case in point, the Human Echoes soundcast with Tony Southcott and Alan Berg. They have more than 200 episodes under their belts, which is more than us, where they toss around commentary on movies, genre fiction, and as they put it, all things weird and wonderful. In this chunk, it's revealed that Tony has finally gotten around to seeing the movie Jaws for the first time. We also learned, by the way, that Alan has never seen The Godfather. So now they get their chance to talk about that shark movie. But we are here to talk about a movie we've avoided for... Not avoided so much. 30-some years. I for what okay for you I've seen this movie before Tony you have not you're the one who hasn't seen Jaws <laughs> I have seen Jaws I'm the one who hasn't seen The Godfather okay and you call yourself a film critic I not usually I don't sometimes <laughs> I call myself a podcaster I don't go around being like I'm a film critic as I'm checking out at Walmart people ask me what I do I just sort of like say like I can work from home. Um, you know, on the internet stuff, because I really don't want to have to go into detail. And they're like, so you're on job. So you're on welfare. No, they don't. They're all they they never ask either. That's the best part. They're never like, what do you do on the internet? They're just sort of, oh, on the internet. I'm working from home. That sounds good. Uh, and they just like nod blankly. See, and like whenever I get asked that question, I'm like, oh yeah, I work from home. I have like this uh, this internet business. And they're like, oh, what are you selling? I'm like, I'm not, oh, I'm sort of selling t-shirts and podcasts and all sorts of other things. And then they like it just turns into this cascade of questions about how they can work from home. <laughs> it's never about like, hey, what's your podcast about? It's like, how do I get to quit my job? Well, first of all, you avoid talking about Jaws for 200 issues of your podcast. And yeah, whenever you have gets- 13 other shark movies on. We, do we have 13, Tony? It's right around there. This is the true irony of the fact that we haven't talked about Jaws yet, is that I love schlock shark movies, okay? Like, I know that Jaws is the original, and then, like, everybody took this and didn't understand what it was doing and just thought that sharks were cool and threw sharks (laughs) everywhere in their movies in any circumstance they could find and made them bigger and more ridiculous. And I love that. Sharks are pretty cool. They are. They're very cool. But this is not that kind of movie, Tony. It's very weird watching this, knowing the things that spawned, knowing how many people have riffed on these ideas. The whole like, we need to close the beach and the mayor being like, we do. this is tourist season. We can't close the beach. Yeah, it's it's adding like the, the douchebag corporate guides. It's just keeping in line with so many tropes that are out there now. And it created those tropes, but it's still hard to watch, especially the first half of this movie and not be thinking about the other movies where this come that came out of this, this movie feels like two movies really to me. There's the first half and the second half. Yeah. Once they get on the boat, it's entirely different movie. And I really, really enjoyed the parts on the boat. The parts on the shore I thought were good. I mean, I'm not going to like, I I can't come out here and be like, no, like this is terrible, but it didn't, it didn't grab me. There's a lot of stuff that's very chaotic and it it's to a purpose, right? It's showing this guy's life in this small town and how he's trying to settle down, trying to find a quiet place for his family, a place where he can make a difference. Um, and yet he's still drowned out by everything that's going on in his life. But it just the, the, the chaos felt a little bit overwhelming at times. There's times when people are talking and other people are talking over them. And I understand that to the purpose of that, but it also, I don't know, like, there's something weird about the way the sound is mixed in this. Uh, maybe it's, it's just, just movies of- from the 70s. Like, there's always a little bit of a weird, like, look slash delay slash whatever. I don't know if it's, like, 100% timed correctly. It's weird. I don't think it's a delay. Here's in a lot of, uh, I see that in a lot of older movies. It's not a delay. It's just things that aren't quite 
Right. One of the things that I never thought about before until just recently, we uh, I was taking a lynda.com class about audio processing for movies. And the guy mentioned that back in the day, you had to account for the fact that your microphone was going to be hooked up to a physical tape player and not turn up your sound loud enough to pick up the tape sound as it recorded your sound. And so I imagine that has some of it and just technology improves as well. But it is a movie really about the, you know, how this guy comes to this small town and is looking for a way to make a difference. And yet he's really confronted by the fact that life isn't going to let him. Uh, you're thinking about Roy Schneider, correct? Or Scheider? Sheeter? Yes. Uh, so the character Brody is, and he talks about this. He talks about the wanting to make a difference. And yet the the movie constantly puts him as the outsider. When he's on the island, everybody's talking about like, oh, you're not an islander. You're not going to be an islander unless you're born here. And he's there trying to protect these people. He's working with them, but he's not with them. He's not part of them. Listen to more human echoes via their home site, hepodcast.libson.com, as well as on iTunes and all those other sound casty places. Well, looky there, cleared out our stock of clips, but there's still more. We've got another burst of durst and a tune about Donald Trump crafted by Tommy Royal, who isn't even from America. Coming up after we rummage around inside the tweet sack for a moment. Let's open up the tweet sack here. <coughs> Hello, Tweety, which is where we put all of your tweets and emails and comments from the Facebook page and anywhere else we come across messages to this show. For instance, here's a comment up on Laughable, the great comedy soundcast app from our old chum Ed Wallach, host of the Don't Quit Your Day cast. It's affixed to our more recent Succotash Chats episode and reads, quote, two really nice guys, Mark Hershon and Jordan Brady, chatting it up. What's not to like? End quote. Thanks, Ed. I got a note from Cesar, the happiness concierge, as he calls himself, at podrover.com. Now, Podrover is a service that monitors your iTunes podcast feed, if you have a podcast. And every time you get rated and reviewed, Podrover sends it to you in an email. Cesar writes, hi, Mark Hershon. Yeah, it's very personalized. Thanks for giving Podrover a try. I just wanted to let you know that your free trial will expire in a week. There's no rush. Take your time, and you can always check your status on the account page, and you can buy the plan that suits your needs from the subscriptions page, unquote. Well, Podrover is a great service. Uh, don't get me wrong. But at the rate this show gets reviews, it is not worth the three bucks a month to have a robot send me the skinny. All right. I plugged this song, but I'm going to read the letter that goes along with the submission. This is from Tommy Royal, who was one half of the Royal and Doodle Soundcast back in the salad days of that show. He recently moved to South Korea from England, and I guess he had to fly over the U.S. on his way there because why else would he write and perform a song called Trump, Not the Presidents of the USA? At any rate, the cover email simply reads, quote, this, period, unquote. Trump sat alone on his flabby arse, knowing his appointment to the White House was a farce. With policies that would sound bananas, he filled his cabinet with all his pet piranhas. He's Trump, he's Trump, he's off his head. He's Trump, he's Trump, he's Trump in Putin's bed. Trump's orange head ain't blessed with brains And his policies will come across as quite insane He'll send the terror across the land By keeping guns and making sure that all the Muslims are banned He's Trump, he's Trump, his hands are small He's Trump, he's Trump, he's Trump, he'll build a wall Grab you by the grudge, he dreams of piercing on Russian seas and getting 
drunk and Billy Twitter with moronic tweets. He's Trump, he's Trump, he never thinks. He's Trump, he's Trump, he's Trump, he'd bomb the chicks. It's the Trump out of his head with his own. out of his head we think so it's the charm out of his head we think so it's the charm out of his head so that's Tommy Royal and his his song about Trump I will put the lyrics to the song up on uh, succotashow.com in case you have some desire to sing along to that the next time you listen to it That's pretty much the tweet sack for this week, so let's jump uh, into our cavalcade of gratitude, whereby I recite the list of awesome folks who have been kindly mentioning Succotash in their various tweets, retweets, stars, hearts, likes, forwards, thumbs up, and other various flavors of social media during the past couple of weeks. Ear Goggles Soundcast, Podcast Booster Bot, Alex P. Keaton Pod, James Carberry, Illusionoid, in Poor Taste Soundcast, Man Suit Soundcast, Christine Blackburn and the Storyworthy Soundcast, Julia W.D. Harrison, Still Buffering Soundcast, Rough Giraffe Soundcast, Mary Smurl Podcast, Dave in the Cave and the Thunder Taco Soundcast, Gift of Assholes Soundcast, Yankee 80, Ruben Jara, Podcast Spotlight, Whitney Peters, Carrie Snow, hiya Carrie, Erie, Indiana, LJ, The Fickle Fanboy Soundcast, Jake and Tom Conquer the World Soundcast, John Moses, Metal 365 Radio, My Neighbors Are Dead Soundcast, Salty Language Soundcast, Off Kilter Soundcast, Let's Chat Soundcast, Alex the Great, Alex P. Keaton, Danny LaBelle, because that's who I just reviewed uh, in Split Cider this last week, along with our friends at Chill Pack. He has his um, Modern Day Philosophers show with Fred Armisen is his latest episode, so check that out. Jim Bar- Barnish Jr., Radio Misfits Soundcast, Vitaly M. Golome, Davian Dent of the Strange Times Soundcast, Allison Chadwick, Ice in the Face Soundcast, Jordan Brady, and Steve O'Dockerson, a.k.a. Hob the Troll. Let's close out our shenanigans with one last burst of Durst. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about the threat of nuclear war that is currently spiking, like the needle of a meat thermometer in a lava flow. While President Trump busies himself dropping healthy payloads of democracy on various Mideast miscreants, North Korea's Kim Jong-un is kicking demilitarized sand in our face, sticking his nuclear tongue out and wagging thumbs in his ears. Probably not even his own thumbs. Could be his uncle's thumbs. It's like a brand new serving of the old Cold War with a little kimchi on the side. Don't know why the beloved leader is so angry. Maybe he feels a little less than after being supplanted atop the prestigious, wackiest leader in the world with the weirdest haircut list. A position that's been in the family for generations. It's a legacy award. Experts agree we'd be taking the peril a little more seriously if Pyongyang had a more efficient delivery system than a team of muskoxen. But the scare is legitimate enough for Vice President Mike Pence to rattle a few sabers on the south end of the DMZ, where he said the U.S. was going to abandon its failed policy of strategic patience, which sounds suspiciously like straighten up and fly right or someone's going to bed without dinner again. President Trump even reversed his campaign pledge to label China a currency manipulator in hopes that North Korea's adult neighbor will keep an eye on the region's juvenile delinquent and deliver an economic spanking if necessary. China has a vested interest in nothing happening to us until we pay back the trillions of dollars we owe them. It's all very thrillingly exciting. So much so that every day without a mushroom cloud is a victory which some might claim is a little too exciting. (laughs) For Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast, I'm Will Durst.
You can follow Wee Willie Durst at Will Durst on Twitter and find out where he's going to be appearing live by visiting his home site, willdurst.com. That's going to do it for Epi 151. Tell your friends about us, if you will, because that would be great. They can find us at SuccotashShow.com, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Laughable App. We're even up on YouTube and iHeartRadio. So please get out there and pass the Succotash, and we'll see you next time. Good bye. You've been listening to Suckatash Clips, the comedy soundcast soundcast, with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, on SoundCloud, and on Ha Ha Ha, the laughable app. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at marc at SuccotashShow.com. Or call into the Suckatash hotline at our non-toll-free call number, 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at Hightail.com. Dot com slash you slash Succotash. Succotash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durgins. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Succotash. Goodbye.